0: Off the ball. There's so many players, like some like Martinetti, man, that you can get in a look in. Brazil are going to win that World Cup, lads. I adding it's an absolute bank. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.
1: Off the ball. This is News Talk.
0: Hello there, you're welcome along. Sunday's off the ball, Joe Malloy here. Premier League weekend continues apace. We have Southampton, Arsenal first up. Stephen Doyle, Brian Kerr bringing you that game. Arsenal hoping to uh, maintain their lead at the top of the Premier League. We have Spurs against Newcastle, which should be an interesting game. Nathan Murphy, Keith Tracy will be along for that one. That's the half-past 4 kickoff. The paper review is done, already uh, up, recorded... Streamed on our various social channels, will be podcasted very soon. Shane Keegan, Cove Ramblers manager, and Gavin Casey of the Forty Two were with us. Five three one zero six, the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Anne Marie Dolan here in studio. Hello, hi Joe, Mr. Arthur O'D as well. Hello, how's things, Joe? Very well. So uh, it's been an interesting Premier League weekend thus far. Liverpool beaten. We'll chat to Brian Kerr about that in a few moments' time, and then the game at Stamford Bridge last night was, uh, I thought, worth a watch as well. First 35 minutes, United cruising, looking really good. Casemiro getting on the ball. And, you know, in the company of Modric and uh, Kroos might not have been the standout ball player. But in that Manchester midfield, he Mm. was showing a lot of qualities. Not just the water carrier people maybe um, build him as. And then Graham Potter looked at the situation and said, gee, I'm going to change things up and wasn't afraid to and got three into midfield very quickly and totally changed the game. And then it was looking like it was petering out and was becoming a bit of a stalemate. Chelsea get the penalty and out of nowhere, Casemiro with the header and great header it was, too. And we had a one all draw. Everybody
2: probably happy enough ish. Yeah, I think it's a great result for Man United in the circumstances. And by, just, by the same virtue, even by just being away from home, by keeping it up. But it's remarkable that Statistics Sky kept pushing as well with is something like nine or ten games now. Chelsea haven't beaten United it's just it's an odd little anomaly but um, oh you're dead right about Casemiro my god it's just that it's so, that's just that simple thing that it's just now it's he gets the ball to feet. you're not expecting it to be lost it's the exact same thing I, I'm blown away watching Ericsson hmm. he's so good and I kind of feel you half wonder now has he kind of not has his career did he never get the move that he probably ought to have got when he was kind of spending so much time at Spurs and so obviously they did incredibly well, but mm. he looks top top bracket, really.
0: Definitely moments where if you've been watching Manchester United for the last decade plus, there were scenarios last night where you thought to yourself, well, this is where they lose the ball. Yeah. In midfield. And they managed to keep it. And generally it was Casemiro and Eriksen at the heart of keeping it. To be fair to Graham Potter, I mean, one substitution yeah. changed the game. I'm sure uh, professional managers everywhere said, so, well, it's not terribly complicated to do that. But I'm sure in the, I would also think in the heat of we're being completely overrun here, we're in trouble, I've got to make the right change, I can't afford to get this substitution wrong and to make the right change is still pretty impressive. And then, of course, there's the fun and games afterwards
2: on television. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the seriousness of the <laughs> of the kind of pun, the mid-match, the, comment, the in-match commentary. And I find it fascinating listening to Gary Neville when he's talking about it and he's playing it all out. He's telling, like the standard is so high, but in real time we're learning exactly what's happening. And then it shoots back and Hag's going over it with his assistant on the bench and how they're going to counter it. And then it gets back in and it's almost um, theatre of the absurd type stuff. It's just, (laughs) let's throw all that out the window. I didn't really see it. I I switched,
0: I was was trying to watch various things last night, so I didn't watch all the post-match, but I've seen some of it on social media since, and it's mad, even like the Sunday Times here, page five, like right next to the match report is the television report, like what happened on TV. So it has lines like uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, the former Chelsea forward, who was another guest in studio, he tried to interrupt the debate, but was quickly told by Keane to be quiet because he was still talking.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair play to Kelly Cates as well. That can't have been easy. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate, really, that it's just Ronaldo that they come away talking about after such a brilliant, like almost breathtaking performance from Casemiro that we didn't really get proper analysis of, um, but obviously Ronaldo steals the headlines. Yeah. Was that Casemiro's first goal oh. for United? I think yeah, it was. I
2: think so. It
3: meant a lot to him. Mm. The celebrations, him and Antony, particularly angry celebrations, you know.
0: Anthony's a very angry presence yeah. on the pitch generally, but, actually. But so.
3: that's possibly what they need, you know, in the I've, last few seasons, they haven't been angry enough. And if they lost that game yesterday because of a foolish mistake by Scott McTominay, it kind of would have been the typical United error of the last few I'm, years. But that's not what happened. I'm not a
0: fan of Anthony's brand of anger, I have to say. <laughs> oh, no, it's kind no. of inconsequential. Isn't He's it? a moan bag. He's not bagging it up. He's a giant moan bag. <laughs> First half, there was a ball played between Dallow and Anthony and there was a bit of confusion as to who was going to get it. And it was nobody's fault. It was one of those things. Anthony made damn sure everybody knew it was Diallo's fault. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then there were there was a point in the second half when United were pressing and it wasn't Anthony's satisfaction and he starts going off at Bruno. Now unlike Diallo, yeah. Bruno's not taking Bruno that line Bruno fight
3: back, yeah.
0: And those two were at each other for the next 20, 30 seconds, even as play continued. Like there was a point where Fernandez was looking over his right shoulder to be screaming back at Anthony but running to the left because <laughs> okay. like, well, I've, yeah. well, I've got to go over and press <laughs> the ball here. But I'm not done with you. Yeah. And it was that kind of a thing. So I, know, I don't know about Anthony um, I love long term and his popularity in that dressing room.
2: I loved by contrast the way when it was definitely Mount who had the ball. Mount and Martinez. Mm. got stuck into something and I don't know was it, was it um, Martin Tyler on commentary ever or Martinez is like oh he loves a bit of that he does though he's not the man to g- <laughs> he's not, he's not going to play and he's, he's, he's he, he is a phenomenal game changer as well in the whole thing yeah he's good he's grown into he, it he, yeah he th- threw an elbow at one stage it meant oh, he's rough he, like, he, he to notice he doesn't he, he
0: won't hold back mm. I don't want to go overboard in Casemiro by the way it wasn't like he was you know a Roy Keane incarnate but just there was so yeah. much more quality there then had been suggested when he was signed because he was just talked about in dismissive terms. I guess when you're next to Modric and Cruz, yeah,
3: you you're don't not going to be like,
0: well, he's the ball player in there. You know, it's difficult. Um, but
3: he was man of the match yesterday, wasn't he? Was he? Well, in my eyes. I oh, mean. I,
0: thought he, I thought he was great, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, I assume they probably named it when Chelsea were still ahead, did they? Uh, it might not have been named, it yeah. was an injury time. So
0: generally they give it to a Chelsea player, wouldn't they? The Ronaldo thing, I mean, it was a combustuous, cantankerous uh, debate in the studio. It does just seem as if Ronaldo is not of a disposition to accept not playing every game and he just can't play every game in the eyes of Ten Hag. And this thing has just reached an end point. There's no way around it. Ronaldo cannot do what Scholes did or what someone like Giggs did or even Brian Robson did back in the day and accept being on the bench for two, three games or getting five minutes here, 10 minutes there. That's just become apparent. Like the thing is, it's done. What's made him so brilliant He can't just turn that off. He's had to have an outsized sense of ego, an outsized sense of belief to score 700 goals for a club alone. You can't do what he's done in his career if you're normal and have a normal self-image. You have to be a massive ego and and nothing can faze you. So now being left on the bench and Alanga sitting beside you and these lads all around you, he's not going to accept it. And I I think that's where, you know, Roy Keane and Gary Neville potentially agree, actually, if they were to kind of tease it out.
3: Yeah, like even though it was a debate last night they were kind of almost making the same point that as in something has to be done that this is the end. Yeah, for him at Manchester United whether he goes um, somewhere else. But yeah, like they were just going around in circles and kind of almost coming to the same conclusion. The one thing
0: I definitely, like so, uh, like Gary Neville made the point at one stage he said, Roy, United are a better team without him. They get more points without him. They score more goals without him. That's a fact. And... Keane sort of, like at one point he turned around to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and said, hang on, he scores every two games for United. But Neville's point probably was stronger, that they're probably better without him, especially medium term, whatever, about short term. But Keane is adamant that Ronaldo's been disrespected.
2: Well, why do you think he's so steadfast in his belief? Because we've talked about this before. It's just, it's odd that he's willing to not really engage. It's not, it's not completely sort of atypical of, of his kind of punditry, but he's, he's completely unwilling to engage with it as a broader picture. It's about the, I suppose it's about the individual. And yeah. like the very easy thing I suppose to say that here's another player that on one side of it's been shafted by Man United and who can relate better to that. And yeah. I, I don't know, is that, is that as simple as well, that? Well, certainly the pop psychologists
0: have looked at Keane and said, well, great player coming to the end at club and, you know, it's triggering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't see how he's been disrespected, not really.
3: No, he hasn't. But maybe perhaps Roy Keane can understand the frustrations better than any of the rest of us. And there's a sense of sympathy there that we can't understand. Like I found Ronaldo's Instagram post interesting. Like the word sorry isn't mentioned. It just points out how much of a professional he is. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think I think there's that that degree to which he's so big. I'm not apologising to Eric. Yeah, exactly. Eric Ten Who. I'm not apologising publicly to this guy. So that's the problem, you know.
3: And it's a sense as well. I don't owe this club anything, but I owe myself something.
0: A bit of that. Mm. Paul McGrath, I mean, it is interesting. Definitely players understand what Ronaldo's going through. Like Paul McGrath's piece in the Sunday World, we touched on it in the pay-per-view earlier is very much along the lines of, I looked at Ronaldo walking down the tunnel and I know what he's going through. It's awful. It's hell. And
3: like nobody likes change. Like it's hard to deal with things and imagine doing it on a global scale. And again, we can't understand that. No,
0: for him it's humiliation. Yeah. Like he's been embarrassed.
3: The worst thing ever, yeah.
0: Uh, We should press on anyway. So that's the... um game last night we'll talk to Brian Kerr this hour in advance of our two o'clock games so Stephen Doyle alongside him that is Southampton against Arsenal obviously uh, big ramifications for top of the table there are three other games two o'clock
3: yeah five Premier League games in total today and as you say commentary here of one of them so then the other three the first of them is Aston Villa taking on Brentford Villa beginning life without Stephen Gerrard and Tom Ross is at that
2: 60 feet on the spin and no wins in nine for Villa who are only above the relegation trapdoor thanks ironically to goals scored. Saw the club's owners run out of patience with Steven Gerrard who was sacked immediately after the 3-0 loss at Fulham. First team coach Aaron Danks takes charge against Brentford today. He's aware they'll get no sympathy from the Bees in this most unsympathetic and unforgiving of leagues. 10th place Brentford have not won on the road this season. They might not have a better chance than today against a Villa team bereft of confidence. It's Aston Villa against Brentford at Villa Park.
3: Elsewhere, Leeds host Fulham at Allen Road. Here's Peter Smith.
1: Fulham boss Marco Silva presided over a midweek win against Aston Villa that signalled the end of Steven Gerrard's tenure at Villa Park. An identical outcome today would cause further complexities for Jesse Marsh, whose Leeds United team haven't necessarily been playing badly, but go into the game outside of the relegation zone on goal difference having not won in seven and having taken just two points out of the 21 available. At Elland Road it's Leeds United against Fulham.
3: And the final early game is Wolves against Leicester, that one at Molyneux and Frank Watson looks ahead to that. It's
4: another basement battle at Molyneux as Wolves caretaker boss Steve Davis
1: this week confirmed in that position at least until the new year pits his wits against experienced but under pressure Fox's boss Brendan Rodgers. Wolves in
4: 18th seek back-to-back home wins, but did lose at Palace in midweek, whilst Leicester, back in bottom position after Forest's win yesterday, have lost their last five away in the Premier League, though they did beat Leeds at home on Thursday. James Madison is likely to return for the visitors,
1: but could today be the day that Diego Costa opens his Wolves account? At Molyneux, it's Wolves against Leicester City.
0: So our live game, as mentioned, is Southampton uh, against Arsenal. Stephen Doyle will be alongside Brian Kerry. He's with us now, Stephen. And uh, it looks like Gavin Bizzuno is about to uh, stop Arsenal this afternoon <laughs> and play his part in the uh, title race. Clean sheet during the week. He starts for Southampton today.
4: He does indeed, Joe. Good afternoon to you all. Um, I think Gavin Bazunu; his performances have been improving over the last couple of games. Um, I always try and tune into the supporter podcast uh, in the build-up to these matches, and the one thing I've garnered from those is basically since the Man City game, they've noticed the improvement in him. Now they were beaten four 0 by Manchester City. I remember watching that game myself. He did pull off a couple of very good saves. Uh, And he looked a lot more confident uh, in that game, again against West Ham as well. They drew 1-1 at home, uh, stopping the rot after, I think it was four defeats in a row. Um, And in that game again against West Ham, he was very good, confident in his area, catching crosses, corner kicks, pass completion rate is getting better. That's what they want him to do as well. We've got to remember, he is still just 20 years of age and has been handed the responsibility of a number one uh in a premier league team it's it's a really big big move for him obviously in the summer but as you say joe that clean sheet against bournemouth during the week will do his confidence the world of good it's been a real boost for him his first in 11 premier league appearances um so from an irish perspective we are of course uh, neutral in these games but from an irish perspective you want to see Gavin bazunu doing well but the southampton team is uh, quite interesting Because they made three changes from that 1-0 victory against Bournemouth during the week. And one of the changes is Shea Adams, the man who scored the goal. Just his second of the season has been dropped to the bench. And it looks like they're going to go for a 5-4-1 formation. Now, the manager, Ralph Hasenhutl, was under pressure coming into the Bournemouth game on Wednesday. I believe there were apparently supporters chanting from the crowd that he's getting sacked in the morning. His own supporters coming into that game it seems like he's he's running out a bit of running out of support really from the home faithful so we'll see keep an observation on that today at St Mary's but um, he's dropped Che Adams and what he did in the game against Bournemouth when they were leading 1-0 he decided to change to a back three after 75 minutes and this didn't go down well with the supporters they wanted to keep attacking Um, but I get the feeling that he was just kind of thinking look I need three points here we're desperate for it let's shore things up and grind out the 1-0 against the Bournemouth side and I know it might look like a victory against one of the, the lesser teams but Bournemouth had been on and unbeaten on a six matches so it was a good victory for them to get during the week so the man they brought in to make up that back three Lianko uh, he comes into the starting team today in that back three, we think, beside Chileta Tsar, the Croatian international, and Sally Sue, the Ghana international, and then it looks like, uh, Elianusi and Pero as the wing backs, uh, also coming back, into the Southampton team, Ibrahima Diallo, in central midfield, dropping out for him, is Ainsley Maitland, Maitland-Niles, of course, who can play, against his uh, parent club, and then Stuart Armstrong, is uh, coming in for Shea Adams who I said is on the bench so it's Bazunu in goal a back three of Lianco Celeta Tsar and So, and Perro and Elianusi as the wing backs and then it's James Ward-Prowse Diallo and Stuart Armstrong in midfield with Aribo, and then uh, Adam Armstrong will lead the line for Southampton he has only got one goal this season although it was a winner against Chelsea, so perhaps he can get a bit of luck again against another London side. The Arsenal team, of course, there are a lot of changes from their match on Thursday night. They beat PSV in that rescheduled Europa League group match. And uh, coming back into the team, Ramsdale, Saliba, White, Party, Udegar, and Martinelli. So six changes, but it is the same team that defeated Leeds United uh, last week, of course, with that 1 uh, 0 win, thanks to Bukaya Saka, who really is in a rich vein of, of form at the moment. So the Arsenal team is Ramsdale and Goal, it's Tommy Asu at left back, Ben White right back and then in central, central defence it's Saliba and Gabriel and then it will be Partey and Jacka is as the defensive midfielders playing behind Udegaard the number 10 flanked by Saka and Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus playing up front
0: OK Steve. thanks for the time being Steam Doyle alongside Brian Kerr that's at Hampton against Arsenal is our uh, 2 o'clock game And then half past 4 Emery.
3: Yeah, the main game of the day is Newcastle and Tottenham. Newcastle making an almost 500 kilometre trip to North London. The visitors would go fourth if they can win here. Three points then for Spurs. Would see them go level on points with second place Manchester City. There's commentary of that game here as well. Nathan Murphy and Keith Tracy on that one. There's WSL action at the moment. Joe, Arsenal lead Liverpool 2-0 with just over an hour played in their game. Katie McCabe, Republic of Ireland captain, started here for Arsenal while Niamh Fahy and Megan Campbell have lined out for Liverpool. Later on, Leicester host Manchester United, West Ham take on Reading and this evening it's Brighton entertaining champions Chelsea. Here at home, the Women's National League is set to have a dramatic close next week. Wexford, Utes slipped up last night, drawing 3 all with P-Mount. Reigning champions Shelburne beat Sligo Rovers 2-0. So that means Shells will start the final week top of the table by a single point and they actually meet each other. So essentially it's a winner-takes-all clash.
0: Okay, updates across the afternoon. Uh, Rory McIlroy this evening?
3: He is the man to catch on the final round of the CJ Cup. The reigning champion shot a four under par third round of 67 last night in South Carolina. That leaves him 13 under all round. Solo first on the leaderboard, one shot clear of the chasing pack. Shane Lowry is in a tie for 14th on seven under par, while Seamus Power is back on three under.
0: It is just uh, worth stating that the field for this tournament is exceptionally good. So of the world's top 20, there are 15 there. And that's because there are guaranteed ranking points and uh, the players... Uh, jump at these opportunities because it's part of a year-round FedEx Cup situation and quite often it's the lesser players who play this time of year and the big boys come out in January and they're already kind of uh, behind so they've all jumped at the chance to play the CJ Cup this year so 15 in the world's top 20 are there and so for McIlroy to be leading and he is defending champion is uh, pretty impressive and just a sign of where his game is and it's also worth mentioning that he can go back to world number one this evening so if he wins or finishes outright second and Scotty Scheffler finishes outside of the top 35 and Scheffler is currently 47th, then McElroy goes back to world number one. That's the ninth time. It will be the ninth time in his career that he's been world number one, which, again, many great golfers from this island. This guy's just doing extraordinary things.
2: Can I ask with regards to the world rankings and you said 50 in the top 20 have all the lads associated with um, Live fallen away Exponentially now, or, or uh, yeah, give or take, pretty much. Just gone, yeah. Okay. Justin
0: Johnson was maybe about the highest, and he's—they've all fallen a, a, quite a bit back. Okay, must double check. There might be one or two of them hanging on to top twenty-ish.
2: That's remarkable, though. I, I, what's number? I appreciate what it's worth in terms of your number one, but in in golf, is it taken particularly seriously? Yeah. Or, okay. So the, okay. Very seriously. Yeah,
0: like Woods's record had been number one for x many weeks, or even Greg Norman was world number one for. Could it have been 300 weeks? I don't want to give, want to give Greg Norman, of all people, too much credit. Greg Norman was world number one for quite a long time. And then Woods, obviously, has blown every record out of the water. But like for McElroy to get there nine times is is another brilliant achievement. And he is the best player in the world right now. Just is. He's back in such a brilliant way. He's been consistently good. And it was just no surprise that he would be going into the final round there thereabouts, you know. Whereas a year ago, two years ago, you didn't know what you were going to get from him. He's completely transformed his game. He's so consistent now. So uh, potentially world number one tomorrow morning, Roy McIlroy. I mean, we're not world number one on this island in many things. And so he's
2: probably that touch underappreciated. Is it it just and then it's kind of because I appreciate it's it's probably for people like myself watching mostly from the outside times of majors, like, is it just the stock? I mean, if he does, if he went on to win any of the four next year, Mm. Do you think it kind of then all of that, all the stuff around where he's actually doing incredibly well kind of become, is it just becomes elevated that it kind of gets? I think so. It's just it needs to be, you need that one little. Well, the one thing anyone can say now is, well, so what?
3: Yeah, yeah. but it's a bigger achievement to be world number one nine times than to win the Masters, arguably.
0: In some respects. yeah. yeah. Prestige, <laughs> But would he
3: swap at all? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he would. Yeah. Like Lee Westwood's been world number one. Luke Donald has been world number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They never won majors. So he would, I'm sure, swap world number one for Masters. And has
3: anyone uh, won major? Oh, yeah, of course. Sir Shane Lowry. Yeah. Without being world number one. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. And if people won the Masters without being world number one. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: It happens all the time.
3: So it is a way bigger achievement to be world number one. Well. It's a tougher
0: grind. It's probably, in some respects, it's it's a true test of consistency. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't you didn't just catch fire for four days and and win. (laughs) But you can't put
3: world number one in your trophy cabinet.
0: No, exactly. And it's, you know, it's (laughs) it's the thing that kind of haunts him. But I think, like, as you said, Arthur, if he was to win the Masters or win a major next year, then all of this other stuff right across this year would suddenly uh, be
2: further appreciated because at the moment there's a degree of, well,
0: not winning it's, a major. But what he's
2: doing right now is insane. It's kind of exactly what happens as well with the boxing, I suppose, to a different degree. That Olympic medal. But then you see, like, the stuff today that's going back. And I appreciate that will be news regardless. But in that wider context, it's just, wow. God, we're unstoppable. Well, the, the other thing about Rory to say this year is he didn't win a
0: major. But if you add the four majors together, he was 29 <laughs> under par. Feels unsatisfying. The next closest was twenty one under par. Aww. And then everybody else was a gazillion miles behind him. Crazy. So you had the four majors together. This guy lapped the field. He won by eight shots. He was brilliant in every major. But it's about catching fire on that day. It's the, you know, he's often said himself it's this weird thing in golf that we obsess over the majors, but you could have a brilliant 48 weeks of the year
2: and <coughs> it gets Do, ignored. Does golf allow for that? Or is it as, as obsessed with just the winning as oh, it does. Sports? I mean,
0: he's world number one.
2: But yeah, I know. I appreciate but that. When, but he, when he retires, the first thing it will say is
0: Roy McIlroy, X number of majors. Ford, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, or otherwise.
2: Yeah, it's quite reductive in that
0: regard. <laughs> it is a bit reductive. <laughs> it's just, but it's just whatever way. I mean, why do sports go along these lines? I don't know. Why has tennis gone along those lines? I don't know.
3: It's kind of like Mayo with the All irelands as well. They were possibly the best team for a number of years, but didn't win.
0: Yeah, it's always the stick to beat them with. I'm
3: not saying it like that. Did you have to kick him? They didn't need to be dragged
0: into this. So uh, before we sign off, because Brian Kerr is waiting, Leo Cullen.
3: Yeah, Leinster head coach Leo Cullen said they made tough work of beating Munster in their United Rugby Championship clash last night. They came from six points down to eventually win by 14 at the Aviva Stadium. Scott Penny, Dan Sheehan, Luke McGrath and Rob Russell all scoring tries there as they maintained their unbeaten start to the season. They also secured the bonus point, the final result 27-13. Cullen was pleased with the overall result but said the performance was far from perfect.
1: In terms of the outcome, like we're delighted to get a bonus point win um, in a Leinster-Munster game. like it's, It doesn't happen that often, does it? So um, There's parts of the game, clearly, we can look back on, um, you know, where we, we create a lot of opportunities in the first half and we're not particularly clinical in terms of finishing them off. Um, and then we get ourselves in a situation where, you know, Munster again with 14 men, again twice in the first 47 minutes, um, and then suddenly they're ahead in the game. So... Um we show better composure probably from then on, um both sides of the ball. So, you know, before up to that point, you know, we we're probably just a little bit impatient at times. So we're we are we are forcing certain things in the game. Um, you know, we're falling on the wrong side of some, some calls with the officials. Um and so we, we just it's the composure part that we're we're lacking. Um but having said that, you know, to, to come away with the four tries. Um it's a positive outcome for for us.
0: Leo Cullen there. Should mention, by the way, uh, Stuart Lancaster is going to pop into studio on Tuesday. Tuesday. Fresh from Tuesdays, he's going to come in and do Tuesday with us and chat about everything, obviously, uh, leaving at the end of the season. and uh, Whatever else you're having, so Stuart Lancaster in studio with us on uh, Tuesday evening.
3: Finally, Ireland's cricketers were comfortably beaten by Sri Lanka at the T20 World Cup this morning. Joe, they lost by nine wickets in Hobart with Sri Lanka sealing victory with 30 balls remaining. Next up for Ireland is England on Wednesday
0: anne thanks for that. Thank you. Arthur with us across the afternoon as well. So Spurs-Newcastle coming your way. That's our half past four game. The Sunday paper review has been uh, streamed and will be podcasted very shortly. Shane Keegan and Gavin Casey were with us. Up next, we're building up to Southampton against Arsenal. Brian Kerr with us in just a moment.